Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Breakfast in a Class. Rabbi Farhi will go through undoubtedly all of the dedications that we have on the table. Just to mention one of the dedications, uh, uh, we want to wish a mabruk to uh, Robert, Marcus, and family on the birth of the baby boy yesterday. Now all the kids, and I uh, hope everyone is doing well. Uh, we read Parashat Nassau, the longest parasha in the Torah. And we're going to talk about Rikakwani. So we were discussing a, a, a idea presented, a very different idea presented by Rabbi Yitzhak Arama. Rabbi Yitzhak Arama, he lived in the 15th century, he wrote a book called Akedat Yitzhak. Uh, he was really a, a, a brilliant, brilliant person, and, and uh, many of the Tashanim, they take their, their, uh, their speeches uh, from him. Now, what was interesting is his, his, his explanation under Kakalanim is very different than we hear from other people. And I tried to understand why is it so different. Now, when we learn Halakha, it's very important for us to know that when we learn Halakha, we have to realize who's presenting the Halakha in the, in the time period they're presenting the Halakha. For example, if you look in, Hakam Vadya Yosef will ask a question, and then he'll answer the question with a hundred different answers, or fifty different answers, from rabbis throughout the generations. You'll see one from left to right, left to right, all opinions in between. But to understand the different opinions, a person has to look at the person who's giving that opinion and understand the socioeconomic conditions that that person is living in, because that affects why his opinion is his opinion. So for example, you could say that two people bring the same kind of chicken to the rabbi. So the one is kosher, so the other is not kosher. Why? Because there's different aspects that relate to it. It's the person's condition. It's where the person is. It's what time is it. So, so halakha varies based on the situation that a person is in. I think the same thing is, is with regarding uh, regarding even derashot. And if you look in a, in a homiletical exposition on something, you have to really think about where is the guy living, what's happening when the guy's living, why is he saying what he's saying. So the word really makes you think even farther. Why is he doing it? But if you start to think where he's living and what's happening, then you start to understand why he's saying what he's saying. Many people mistakenly believe the golden age of Spain was throughout the, uh, you know, from 900 to 1492. And all of a sudden in 1492, everything came crashing down. But the reality is the golden age of Spain was only from the 9th to the 11th centuries. And it was only when we were ruled by the Muslims. And even then, it wasn't so great. Because you see, Rambam, Maimonides, had to leave Spain when he was very young because the Amlans came and they were forced converting people to, to Islam. And he had to run away to Morocco to hide. And even Morocco, in any of the cities, he had to live in the Atlas Mountains. And he was basically hidden a cave for seven years where he wrote Mishneh Torah. So, so we see that a person is always affected, and what happened in Spain is Spain started to change as the Christians moved down. And you see, even Ramban, Nachmanides, in the 13th century, he has the, the disputation with uh, Pablo Cristiani, and even though he wins and the king says, you won, he still has to run for the, run for the road because they're going to kill him. And he's put into exile, and he has to leave the country, and he ends up going... Going to the to the uh, to the east. So we also have to know that beginning of the 13th century, around that time, almost half the Jews in Spain converted. 
The next one is the the the, the Kahlani we have. It has we have Hashem's name three times. Yisach Hashem, Yisach Hashem, Yisach Hashem. Why do we have to repeat Hashem's name three times? Why can't we just say Hashem's name and then give the rest of the words? Why do we have to repeat Hashem's name each time? And if you think about it, in the Benamitash where they said Hashem's name, it was said Hashem Amikorash, the the full name of Hashem. Finally, what's the meaning of the last line of Yitzhak Ha'anim? The Samuel should be, they shall place my name on the name Sahel, I'm going to bless them. What does that mean? Who is blessing who? Is, is, is Hashem blessing the Sahel? Is Hashem blessing the Kohanim? This is what's going on. And in order to understand it, he says we have to understand what do the words Baruch Ata Hashem mean. If we don't understand what Baruch Ata Hashem, we don't understand it. We say Baruch Hashem a hundred times a day. What does it mean? Rabbeinu Bachiyam, on the Kumash, and the Akedat this is which is written by Rabbi Rama, and a number of other Rishonim, all explain Baruch based on the words, Derechah. Derechah is a brook, or a pool of water. You're imagining that the pool of water is the source of blessing, and the blessing is coming. So I'm blessing you that it should flow onto you the blessings like the brook. When I say Baruch Atah Hashem, what am I saying? I'm saying, bless our thou, you know, bless our thou. Is that reasonable to think? And he says, no. When we're saying Baruch Atah Hashem, we have to remember what we're saying. Baruch Atah Hashem, Hashem, you are the source of blessing. I'm not blessing Hashem, I'm reminding myself before I take the moment. Baruch Atah Hashem, you are the one, Sha'akol Ni'ev Barod, that you created everything, and therefore, I'm, I'm allowed to drink. I'm acknowledging Hashem as the source of all blessings. So, considering that, he goes to Birkat Kohanim, and he says that the Birkat Kohanim, when they say Birkat Kohanim, says, Yibarat Hashem, what do they say? They're not blessed, they're saying, Hashem bless, bless them. They're reminding you. You want to know where the money comes from? It comes from Hashem. You want to know who protects the money? It comes from Hashem. You want to know where your brains come from? It comes from Hashem. You want to know where your health comes from? It comes from Hashem. So what are they doing with the Kohanim when they're giving to you? They're giving you basically Musar. They're giving you and telling you, hey, you shouldn't think that this is coming to you for, for, for free. This is all coming to you from Hashem. So the Kohanim is up there. You have to realize when you hear Mikhail Kohanim that what am I saying? I'm saying you saying, no, I'm not getting a bracha that's going to say, throw me money. It's not throwing. He's saying to me, remember that everything is coming from Hashem. And he's saying, and then why do we have the last line in Mikhail Kohanim? Because if everything is coming from Hashem, and Hashem is the source of all blessings, then what happens? Then Hashem blesses the person that they should have all the things that they acknowledge Hashem gives them. But why specifically does it that period of time? Imagine for a second the, 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 uh, the strength of faith in that period must have been very weak. But people not believing so much in God in control. The church is in control. Maybe I'm getting my through, uh, I don't know, intermediaries. So what is he trying to push the people to think about? There are no intermediaries because the basis there are no intermediaries. Everything is between you and God. And one thing you have to remember, that God is the source of everything.
Just give up Judaism. Oh, you want me to practice? That's why we have the Inquisition. Start the 1400. 250,000 Jews convert in 1391. And what happens? The church says they really didn't convert. So they start the Inquisition to look at each of those Jews to say, are they really a good Catholic or not? Because the Jews just threw it off. So look at Rabbi in control of everything. I heard a story from Brother Shmomo that I don't know where he is in the country. He's flying to, uh, to, to the Carolinas somewhere. He's very happy. The plane is full. He's got the two seats in the front. Nobody's sitting next to him. He's very happy. All of a sudden, the plane's going to close. The guy runs on the plane. Well-dressed guy sits down next to him. He's okay. I have to sit next to the guy. He has the Gemara open, he's wearing Gemara. The guy sits down next to him, and starts talking he's a businessman, he's from Solar City, and he says, oh, where are you going? He's going to the same city that the rabbi is going to. And he's looking at the rabbi writing Gemara, and he's telling him, you know, I own a big company, I have thousands of people working, we just opened a, uh, an office in, uh, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. He says, but if I was a Jew like you, the office would be doing well. And the rabbi looks at him and says, what? What are you talking about? He goes, I didn't know anybody in the town when we set up the office. But if I was a Jew, I would have had other Jews in the town who I would have called, and they would have set me up with the right people. Because you people all take care of each other wherever you go, whatever business you're in. You know you can call another Jew and they'll help you even if they're a competitor to you in the business. And the rabbi's sitting here thinking, he goes, I wish it was, I wish it was so true. I know because I go there and I have to pay to get people to make a minyan because you can only get eight guys so you have to pay everyone to come to a minyan or buy dinner or breakfast and then maybe they're going to come. so clear and I'm not exactly sure why. I think because I had the AirPod in my pocket. I apologize to everyone. 